Hey, chaps. So I was wanting to chat about this whole thing of permission seeking. You know, for so many of us, this, this effeminate, this liberal uh, upbringing, you know, of having to uh, go through a prison school system where you're trained into compliance and obedience and passivity. Um, and in order to do anything, you need permission. You need accreditation. You need approval. And it's basically training you for bureaucracy. It's training you for a bureaucratic life. Bureau uh, meaning desk, a desk life. So no action, no crushing in your domain <clears throat> because we're passive uh, and, and waiting for, for approval, waiting for permission, waiting for accreditation. And so I really wanted to, to go through this thing for us of like, man, what is, what, is, uh, what is God's take on this for us, you know? And I think you start looking at, at Abraham, at David, at Jonathan. And it's like, wow, like God put things on a heart. You know, what is God's intention for us is to, is to unbury our gift. It's to not, to not sit on our gift and be a wicked servant, but it's to, to unbury our gift and go and crush. Go and give our gift as unto the Lord. Work our gift as unto the Lord. Go and serve people. Go and just follow the thing that is on your heart to do. And so we see that with Jonathan. He's the most, he's the best picture right here of, you know, he's, he's with his armor bearer and he's like, All right, there's a bunch of dudes over there. Let's go pick a fight. Now, how most of the liberal world would do it is like, let's radio back to HQ and ask HQ if we can go pick a fight. And then HQ will be, well, how many are there? Oh, there's 30 of them. All right, how many are there of you? Well, there's two of us. All right, you're going to need reinforcements. Uh, you're also going to need to just write off a, a readiness form. And we're also going to need an attack plan. Uh, and then also, if you could just uh, make sure we have an indemnity from all the guys going with you because insurance was an issue last time. You know, and, and four days later, he's made all the compliance work, done all that stuff. And it's all right, now it's time to go and attack. Oh, no, 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 wait, uh, uh, let's just make sure. Are they still there? No, 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 they've moved. You know, and the opportunity is gone. And I think so many of us, it's like there's this thing of we want to go give our gift, but we, we want approval. We want permission. We want accreditation. You know, that whole thing of I don't feel credible to give my gift. I don't feel ready to give my gift, right? That's why we want rough men right? Give your gift roughly. You know, we've got to be fearless enough to just go and give our gift. You know, you don't have to have the perfect. I love that saying, done is better than perfect. And when it comes to giving your gift, when it comes to uh, pursuing what God has put on your heart to pursue as a mission, as a, as a work, as unto the Lord, done is better than perfect. You can always come back and perfect things later, but get things going. Um, David and Goliath is another, another instance of this, right? David's not even in the army. He's not even supposed to be there, but no one else is doing the thing. So he spots an opportunity. He's like, I'll go do it. And so Saul's like, well, you need to wear my armor. You need to do it with my, in my way that I would do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But, but here's how you should do it. And so many times that's what happens for us when we want to give our gift, you know, like, well, maybe I should, you know, well, let me go ask this guy what, what I should do and, and how I should do it. And, you know, they end up piling all their, their junk on you. When actually like, no, God's put this on my heart to go do. I'm going to go do it the way God is, is put in front of me to go do. And so, uh, yes, seek wise counsel. Yes, that's great. But don't seek permission 
from wise counsel. Don't put the question on them, should I do this? That's seeking permission. Abraham and his conflict with the wells is another one, right? So Abraham is, is I think he's with the Amalekites or he's somewhere, but with a bunch of, of uh, douches who are um, uh, quarreling with his herdsmen and taking his wells and putting dirt in his wells. And so he's like, all right, I'm just going to go to the next thing. I'm going to carry on doing my calling, which is being a rancher. I'm going to go and dig some more wells somewhere else. And they follow him and they, they're trying to non-permit him. They're trying to block his gift. He's like, all right, I'm going to carry on going. I'm going to go somewhere else. And he just carried on going, crushing in his gift. He didn't let men's opinions, men's challenge, men's uh, blocking of his wells affect him giving his gift and crushing in his domain. Um, another a great example of this is Hudson Taylor. So he was a, a missionary uh, to China in the 1800s. And back then, to be a missionary, you either had to uh, go to seminary and, and, and be a, an ordained minister, or you had to go to medical school and be a doctor. Those are the only two ways to get uh, into the mission field to be backed by a mission organization and, and have your salary paid and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and he just had a call on his heart to go to China. Like he was like, God's calling me to China. I know this. Uh, and so instead of becoming a doctor and instead of becoming a minister, he learned Chinese and got on a boat and, and left. And, um, and the custom at the time, you know, was wear a suit, uh, teach them English, uh, get them into the Anglican church. And he was like, I'm going to become Chinese to reach the Chinese. And so he, he took on Chinese dress. He took on Chinese customs, spoken Chinese, and and um, this was all non-permissive, right? The Europeans in all the towns and the embassies they ridiculed him, and they, in fact, they like gatekept him, they blocked him because they're like, you you are not, this is not, we don't give you permission to do this, we don't accredit you, we don't recommend you, and so he um, he writes in his diary and he's like, you know, I'm I'm not ordained. I'm not, I'm not accredited. I'm not trained. I'm not even uh, backed by a denomination. DVG, welcome, brother. I'm not even, uh, I don't even have a society that backs me. And he's like, but God has called me. And so over the next like 30 years, he proceeds to go and be the most effective missionary that, you know, China has ever seen. Um, you know, just insane success and blessing from the Lord by going and crashing in his gift and giving his gift, even without permission. And so here's what I, I really want to like, kind of throw out there is that if you are seeking permission, it's probably not your domain. If you are seeking permission, it's probably not your, this is not the thing that God wants you to do. You know, for so long I was like, Oh, you know, should I plant a church? Shouldn't I plant a church? Well, I need some, I need to have my, you know, I need to go to seminary or I need to have uh, some elders lay their hands on me and ordain me. And like, uh, you know, you need to be part of a, this or that. And it's like, all of that umming and ahhing and umming and ahhing was a lack of confidence in what God had called me to be or called me to do. I saw a need, but it wasn't what God had put on my heart to do. You know, it's the same with girls. I think a lot of guys would understand this. You know, you you, you date a girl and you're like, um and ah and um and ah. And it's like, you you know in your heart that you don't want, you don't want to do this. So you um and you are and you, you know, oh, I don't know if I should or should. It's the same with giving our gift. It's the same with a mission, right? We um and we are and we're like, oh, I need permission or I need accreditation or I need resources. I don't have the resources. And it's like 
all of these are excuses because it's not your calling. You know, there's, I don't think it was true. It's probably just apocryphal, but I saw a tweet the other day where the guy, uh, some young boy uh, comes to Mozart and he says, um, what, you know, uh, what must I do to write uh, my first symphony? And the boy says to Mozart, go and study for 10 more years. Go study music for 10 more years. And the boy said to him, but you wrote your first symphony at four years old. And he says, yeah, because I wasn't asking anyone how to do it. And it's like, that is, you probably never, probably it's just a, but that's a great metaphor of when you know what your thing is to do, there's going to be a certain, I don't care what anyone else says. This is what I'm going to go do. I don't care how many resources I don't have. This is what I'm going to go do. I don't care that I'm not accredited. This is what I'm going to go do to the glory of the Lord. You know, and so a lot of guys would be like, oh, Scott, but, you know, aren't you dishonoring people and dishonoring hierarchies and all this stuff? And it's like, no, 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 like honor your hierarchies. That's fine. Sometimes you're going to have to go to the desert. You know, David wanted to honor Saul. Jonathan wanted to honor Saul. They were doing the right thing, but the hierarchy w wouldn't let them. The hierarchy was not going to let them give their gift. And so like Jonathan, he couldn't, he could have left, but he was being a, a, a dutiful son. David was chased out and he went and gave his gift in the desert. And for, for many of us, we're like, oh, I can't give my gift in this organization. I can't give my gift in this business and this church and this uh, community, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, are you using it as an excuse to not do the thing? Because so many of us are like, I'm waiting on the lead guy to, to do it for me. You know, I'm waiting on them to do the thing and then I will tell them how to do it. It's like, no, 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 you do the thing. And if you can't do the thing here, go do it elsewhere. Oh, you can't. You just think it's a good idea that no one else is doing, you know? And so I think like a huge, a huge example for me is like, is like starting a YouTube channel, you know, for years, I'm like, oh, I should start a YouTube channel, I should start a YouTube channel. And there's this terror because it's like, I think I knew that this was the thing I really needed to do. What if I failed? Right. So it wasn't a resource thing like, oh, I need to have all the best microphones, all the best cameras. I need to have a studio. I need to have a plan and a, and a six month storyboard. And, a, and I need to, and it's like, no, 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 you're just not doing the thing because you're afraid. And so it's like, okay, I'm afraid. Why am I afraid? Because this is actually the thing that God has put on my heart to do. And I'm afraid of failing. It's like, okay, let's go. You know, you don't need to ask permission of anyone. You don't need to get accreditation from anything. Same with coaching rugby, right? I just love coaching rugby. I don't need to ask guys permission. I don't, you know, even to the point where like, I'm at the place where like, I really couldn't care less for, for a coaching accreditation because I don't care to be a head coach. I'm an attack coach. I help another guy who does have an accreditation and I give freely my gift because I'm like, yeah, this is what I like to do. I don't need someone else's permission to tell me I'm a great coach because I know I'm a great coach. And so it is for, for many of you guys, whatever your domain is, whatever your skill and your talent and your passion of crashing is, there's, there's something in your life that you know I'm good at this regardless of any accreditation, regardless of any approval, regardless of resources to go and do it. This is what I'm great at. This is what I want to crash at. This is the thing that God has put on my heart that if, if I never got paid, if no one ever knew but God, I would work this thing unto the Lord. You know, and obviously we want... We want to enjoy other people enjoying our our gift, and we obviously want to enjoy uh, reward for our gifts. But the the heart is that I'm not doing it for that. I'm doing it as unto the Lord. That this is the thing I want to crush at. 
And so it comes to that thing of, of seeing God as a good father. You know, so for, for so many of us, this was me, right? God, just tell me what to do, God. God, I'll do anything for you, Lord. I just want to please you. I'll, I'll go be a missionary to China. I'll go, I'll do anything. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. You know, we get this, this purpose anxiety or this, like, I just want to please the Lord. And we have this misunderstanding because God is not this distant uh, dispenser of, oh, now you want to serve me? Purpose. Oh, now you want to serve me? A mission field. Oh, now you want to serve me? Let me see what I need done. Oh, I need, this needs done. You. God created us from before the foundation of the world in his image, father, son, right? With specific passions, talents, abilities, scale that are, that he has written into each. And so as a real father, you know, I imagined myself going to my real dad and be like, dad, just tell me what to do, dad. I'll do anything for you, dad. Just tell me what to do, dad. And it literally is like slap over the face. What are you doing? Like, have we not had a relationship, you know, for 18 years, whatever it is. It's like, I, I know what you like. You like this, this, and this. So what is on your heart to do? Start stepping and I will direct your steps. I will direct you as a wise father with resources and relationships and wisdom. And I will guide you into what, what it is that you have a passion and talent for that I created you with. And so, you know, there's a, a great proverb. I think it's like Proverbs uh, 16 or Proverbs 9. I, I don't know. But it, but it says, a man makes a plan in his heart. The Lord directs his steps, which means we have to start stepping. We have to, Lord, what is it you put on my heart? Like, man, I love this. I love this. I love this. I'm really good at this, this, and this. And these are the people I like. This is the places I like. Put that all together. Make plans in your heart and start stepping. And the Lord will direct your steps. Marcel, welcome, brother. Busy shredding down some weeds while getting some great thoughts. Good man. Keep grafting like a boss. So, yeah, praise God, Jeps. I, I really wanted to hit that thing of one of our biggest um, roadblocks, obstacles to, to pursuing, crashing in our domain at the thing we, we want to do is resources and relationships, Right. So we're like, oh, I don't have enough money or I, I don't have the open doors or I don't have the contacts or I don't have, you know, all this stuff. And so we have to realize that, that God wants to work with us. He wants to be in the garden with us. He wants to walk our domain out with us. He wants to be with us as we crush. And so this thing of, of resources and relationship, there's a great old guy. I love that old guy, Andrew Womack. He's this old Texan guy. Uh, and I would listen to his podcast a lot growing up. But he would always say, you know, when talking about faith, when talking about taking a step for the Lord, he would always say your provision is at your vision. So he says, God doesn't give you what you need to go and do. He says, go and do, and I'll give you what you need. And so for a lot of us, we're like, man, like, I, you know, I've got this huge project. Okay, I need, you know, X amount of money. I need X amount of specific talents. I need this and that. I need this guy. I need that opportunity. Until I get it all, until everything's sorted out and ready to go, I'm not going to go. And it doesn't work like that. It's the opposite. It's like, I've got a vision. I've got a mission. I kind of think I know how I want it to go. So let me start stepping. And as you start stepping, God starts 
providing resources, starts providing relationships. The craziest things will start happening. A miracle, you know, we, we laugh, but it's like the, the guys I coach rugby with, it's like we call it the miracle program because like we've got a mission, we've got a vision, this is how we want to play, this is what we want to win. And like you just, hey, great stuff's going to happen on the way. Like we don't always know how it's going to happen. And every time like when great stuff happens, we're all chuckling and laughing and say miracle program. Like God's directing our steps, you know. And it's the same with our projects. You've got to start having that like miracle project. This is going to be a miracle project. And I'm going to step out and go and go hard. You know, and for a lot of us, it comes back to that whole $10 million, 10-year vision. You know, so many of us, we have such a small vision. We have such a little view of God. We have such a little view of our standing in God's uh, kingdom. You know, for who's the most powerful, wealthy man you know? For a lot of us, it's probably Donald. Imagine Donald calls you up. He he calls you up. Your your cell phone rings and you're like, it's Donald. Donald? What's going on? And Donald's like, hey man, you're my top guy. Um, I've got a bunch of, of, of things going on. What do you got going on? Uh, let's let's work some projects together. That is literally God to you, saying, You're my son whom I love. You're the you're a king that I am king of. Let's go do projects together. And you've got some specific talents. You're my top guy in this area. You're my top guy in these talents, passions for these people in place. I've placed you at such a time to be my top guy. Can I count on you to go and do stuff? And it's like, yeah, okay. So that $10 million 10-year vision is a great thing to have, you know, to, to lift our eyes, to, to lift our hopes. You know, for a lot of us, for a lot of you guys, 10 million bucks is, is chump change. So times that by 10, whatever your, like, I'll never have that much money. Like whatever it is, use that amount. And over the next 10 years, what would you want to achieve? If you had 10 million bucks and 10 years to do it, what would you attempt? What are all the things you write those things down? We've got to start thinking in faith again, right? Because our biggest block is I don't have the resources. And so then it stops us from even dreaming, you know, because a lot of guys will be like, oh, Scott, this is just bloody pie in the sky thinking it's a waste of bloody time, man. And it's like, no, until you start thinking about the great things you're going to do with the Lord, you're not going to start stepping, you know? So you've got to spend time on this, chaps. If I had 10 mil and 10 years, what are the things that would just absolutely juice me to go and get done, to go and accomplish, to go and do? Write them all down. And again, it can be stupid things, but just keep writing every every day for, for a few days, you know, keep a little piece of paper. And every time a great idea, every time you see someone else doing something great, every time you have some little inspiration, write it down. Because what you're doing is you're enlarging your vision. You're enlarging, like, God, if it's your will, I would really like to do this. So then the next step comes of faith, right? Is the $3,000 three-month momentum. So all of us somehow have access to three grand. And the next three months. So, so, so bringing that big vision down to a small time horizon and practical. What would I do you know, on this list of amazing $10 million projects? What would I do if I had three grand to, to throw at it and I had three months to, to start getting some momentum? You know, what are the next steps? What are actions? You know, because you could be like, you know, 10 million bucks. Yes, I would, uh, I would buy, you know, a hundred, I'd buy a hundred houses and, uh, and do them up in a beautiful Germanic, Anglo-Germanic style and rebuild the town and have a beautiful main street, you know, and you know, that could be a dream of yours, right? To redo a little town and have a beautiful town, you know, and you, you totally clean out the trash of modern commercial squalor. Like that's a great $10 million vision. Awesome. Great. You know, and you're like, okay, I need, 
I need 10 tradesmen. I need a plumber, electrician. I need uh, some construction guys. I'm going to need this, that, you know, and, and you start dreaming. You start actually doing the thing in your mind of what you actually need to do to get this vision going. But then it's like, okay, I only, I've only got three grand. So what do I do with that three grand? And it's like, okay, well, there's a bunch. What are all the things that I could do with three grand towards that vision? I could take a real estate course. I could take a Anglo-Germanic uh, architecture, uh, you know, study and buy a bunch of books on that. And how am I going to do that? You know, I could start uh, looking around for for uh, guys who do investment groups. You know, of like, there's next steps that you can do that don't require the ten million bucks. You know, I can start going and and looking around. Like, who are the guys who are already doing this? You know, there's so many things you can do without the ten million bucks that gets you stepping, that gets you going towards the vision. You know, and so so many of us we don't ever start, we don't ever go because we're like, well, I don't have the ten million bucks, it's never going to happen, and we don't break down those steps that we actually could start stepping without the ten million bucks. Because remember, you've got ten years to hit this thing, right? So over the next ten years, I'm just going to consistently keep taking steps, and it's like that's when the miracle project happens. That's when God starts directing your steps and coming through. And so I really want to hit that for us. You know, an important thing in that is the lack of need for permission, the lack of need for accreditation, the lack of need for approval. What are the things you would do if you didn't need approval and permission and accreditation? You've got to start getting a high vision of, of God's purposes for your life. And then, you know, one other thing there is, is honoring the king, right? So like I said, be, be willing to go into the desert. Be willing, you know, if guys don't honor your gift, to go and give it somewhere else. And, you know, one of the things we see there with David, he, he obviously wants to honor Saul. He wants to be part of the hierarchy, but he's chased out, right? Because he, he crushes too much and he's chased out. So he goes to the desert, right? Then Saul comes into the cave and he has an opportunity to kill the king. And even there, David honors the king. And he's like, it's not, it's not my role. So here's the thing with giving our gift, right? Because a lot of guys are like, oh yeah, screw everybody. I don't need permission, I don't, which is fine. But never give your gift out of malice to other people out of, you know, you don't give your gift out of malice. You give your gift out of service. You give your gift out of love to the, to the, we want to build towards, toward what we do want rather than trying to destroy and fight what we don't want. You know, so of course we're going to fight the clowns. Of course we, we hate the clowns. Of course we hate clown world, but if we focus our whole life on hating clown world and, and hating the clowns and fighting the clowns, do you know that there's going to be clowns till the day we die? There's going to be so many clowns that you're going to be fighting till the day you die. But if you rather say, this is what I want to build, no clowns allowed, no clown world allowed. And yes, you fight them at your gate. You, you increase your boundary. You enlarge your territory. But this is what I'm building. This is what I'm building. This is what I'm building. And you build walls to keep the clowns out. Because the clown, you cannot clean this world from clowns. That's God's job at the end of, of time. There's always going to be clowns. And so fighting clowns, you know, trying to trying to kill the soul, there's always going to be another one. Instead, focus on what you're doing and let the Lord avenge you. Let the Lord take out other people in the hierarchies and things like that. You go hard in the desert. You go hard in the prison if you're in the prison. And let the Lord sort out clowns, you know. You've got to start building hard, you know. So, so when you start building your, your project, if clowns come in, yes, you crush them. 
If clowns come against you, yes, you roll them and you carry on going. But we don't want to like stop at every intersection. It's like, oh, there's a clown. Oh, there's a clown. It's like, chaps, there's going to be so many clowns that it's like unbelievable how many clowns there are. So we've got to have a this vision of I'm not coming down from my project to bat clowns. It is better to honor God in the desert or the prison than to be a wicked servant in the palace. And a wicked servant refers to someone who buries their gift. You know, so a lot of times in order to stay in a hierarchy, in order to stay in a bureaucracy, we bury our gift, right? Because we're like, man, if, if I start giving my gift, he's going to kick me out. If I start giving my gift, other people are going to get uncomfortable. If I start giving my gift, like, hey, I don't know, I'm going to rock the boat. And it's like, dude, you're being a wicked servant. You're burying your gift, you know? And so it is better to honor God in the desert or the prison than to be a wicked servant in the palace. And done is better than perfect. DVG, Roosh uh, used to say that as long as you are focused on your enemy and besting their achievements, you're playing their game by their rules and will eventually become them. Yeah, it's becoming the dragon to slay the dragon. That's really good. You know, and we've got to have this positive vision. We, we have to have a positive vision for our life. We have to have a positive vision for the guys in our hierarchy, in our mission. You know, because the moment you guys start crushing in your domain, other people start gravitating towards you. You know, Abraham was just crushing in the economy domain. And it's like, at some point, he had like 300 trained men with all of their families. So he might have had like 3,000 people just gravitating around him on his mission. You know, he was an ecosystem because he was crushing, you know, uh, whereas, whereas Lot, he just became a clown. Like he totally molded in with clown world. And it's like, he joined someone else's mission. He joined someone else's town. He joined someone else's uh, hierarchy and became like them and, and lost everything he had because of that. Whereas Abraham just carried on giving his gift um, in the desert and he didn't, he didn't care for what was going on. I mean, he obviously came and helped and he, he, he did what he needed to do, but he wasn't down there seeking approval, seeking to be uh, accredited by them and all that kind of stuff. Praise God. So give your gift. Get a high vision and start stepping out towards, uh, towards your projects. Expect miracles, Japs. Miracle project. You know, I think there's so many testimonies out there of, of how God provides, of how God promotes, of how God protects. You know, by humility and fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. You know, what are riches? It's the ability to pursue projects. What is honor? The ability to uh, have other people, you know, to, to give your gift to other people. That's honor, right? They're like, oh, wow, we recognize your gift. Would you give it to us? That's honor. And then life. You know, what is life? That's, that's family. That's peace. That's, uh, that's prosperity of, of your, your children and, and going forward, you know. And so it's this thing of like, wow, Lord, like you really want us to, to crush with you. And here we are bearing our talents you know, in the bureaucracy. And so it's just like, guys, let's, let's unbury that gift and let's go hard at a vision. You know, don't just stay in your little, well, I'll just give it a little bit. And you know, that's fine. Give where you're at, but let's start, let's start giving a bit more than we're comfortable with. DVG, how do you find your vision? How do you know if you are chasing the wrong one? Bro, that's a really good, that's a really good question. So some of the things I would say for you guys, you know, write down everything. 
when you are doing that $10 million exercise, you know, you'll read books, you know, so for instance, I'll read like the Donald's or read a lot of autobiographies of guys that you are interested in, you know, so I'll read, I've, I've been reading uh, biographies of, of missionaries, biographies of uh, politicians, uh, biographies of like uh, business dudes. I used to, you know, read tons of business dude, uh, army guys, you know, and so anytime there's a, something jumps out of the page, you're like, wow, this is me. I want this. Write that down. There's a theme there. There's a, there's a theme there. So one of the themes for me, for a lot of all these guys is a, is taking people out of bondage and into, um, a promised land, you know, into a new, into freedom, into liberty, into peace, into prosperity, you know, cause that's, that's the role of a missionary. It's the role of a politician. It's the role of an army. It's the, for sometimes for businessmen, you know, it's, it's the role of, of out of scarcity and into, into prosperity. And so you're like, okay, you know, this is something, this is a theme that no matter what book I'm reading, like, oh my gosh, this is a theme that's coming up for me. So one of the things is to really think for yourselves, guys, what are the themes in your life that make you like, you know, you could be reading a book and you start crying because you're like, I want this, like this hits me. Like I'm so pumped for this guy. I want that testimony for my life. So I would say that how, how to find your vision, who are the guys who you are like, Lord, I would trade my life with theirs. You know, and it's like, everyone's like, oh, everyone would trade the life with Donald. And it's like, no, 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 the nitty gritty part of the life, the 1000 phone calls a day part of life, the, the 1000 lawsuits a year part of life. Like, would you trade that with Donald? And a lot of guys would be like, yeah, the four hours of sleep a night. A lot of guys are like, yeah, okay. I just wanted the money and the women and the high rise building. Whereas, whereas other guys, you know, you, you'll read about a missionary guy and you'll be like, oh yeah, you know, wow. Getting, you know, having all these people. Uh, saved and getting to preach everywhere like everyone would want to do that and it's like yeah but now you know the persecution the being thrown in jail the not eating for four days the losing three wives and 12 and 10 children to sickness and you know do you want that and a lot of guys are like oh man I, I don't know if that you know i don't know but there's guys who be like yeah i'll take it that's a worthy price same with the donald like there are these guys i know who are like oh yeah i do that anyway I'll take it, you know? So it's, it's, what would you change? What would you swap your life for, for another man who, who is crushing? And then you start to see, not that you copy them directly, not that you are like, okay, I need to go to Manhattan and become a real estate mogul. Like, no, no, no. What are the themes that really hit me? It's like, it is a thing of like, okay, I want to change my local town. I want to make it beautiful. Or I want to be a magnet in my local town. Or I want to be a missionary in my local town. Or, you know, whatever the theme is, I, I want to do that, what that guy did, but in my scale, in my area, in my skill set and talent stack and personality. You know, so that's a huge thing for, for getting a vision. A second thing is what makes you angry, what makes you sad. You know, so you look at stuff and and not, not media sensational uh, outrage crap, like not like that. But like if you are reading a book or, you know, watching a show or talking with people, you know, and something comes up and you just absolutely are like, I need to sort this crap out. I'm going to sort the, I've got an answer. I've got a solution and I'm going to sort this crap out. That's one way to know, like, this is part of my vision of like, because we, a lot of us have answers to everything. Like, oh, I could fix that. I could fix that. I know this. I know that. And it's like, okay, now are you willing to put in the back end work? 
you know, the the thousand phone calls, four hours a night, thousand lawsuits, uh, you know, the the hard work side of it to get the positive vision at the end. And for a lot of guys like, yeah, this is the thing I want to do. You know, for a lot of guys like, you know, farmers, right? A lot of farmers are like, man, I love the back end of like the the lo- you know, the loneliness of farming, the hard hours of farming, you know, the the extreme like extreme abundance, extreme scarcity, like the up and down. And and they're like, yeah, it's worth it for the life of being a farmer and the the amazing land and this amazing connection to to God and the land and the family and all that stuff. And, you know, so any kind of vision that we have, don't just look at the highlights. Ask yourself and not just like, would I be able to do this stuff? Because, you know, like everyone's like, oh, I could do a thousand phone calls a day if I had two receptionists. And it's like, no, no, no. Are you currently doing 10 to 100 phone calls a day? Because if you're not currently doing it, you're not going to do it. You know, it's the same with with the missionary guys. Like, are you getting persecuted right now? You know, maybe not. You haven't been thrown in jail yet. But have you been kicked out of, of a place? Have you been sworn at? Have you been, you know, like, are you experiencing it relevant to your scale? And so I think there's this, the back end of a vision. You can watch other men's success and then ask would I be willing to put up with the price and you'll often know that yes okay that's a, a correct kind of similar vision to to go along with and then another thing I, I really like to to say is like to write down what are the three things that I am phenomenal at that someone else will come and tell me I'm brilliant at and so many of us we we get this uh this false humility of like, oh, I'm not really good at anything. Like, no, literally stop that crap and write it down. You know, I say that thing often about a dentist. You want to sit in the chair with a dentist. You don't want the dentist to be like, hey, man, I'm sorry. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I just get by. Like, I, I'm just doing this for the money. I'm not that good. Like, you're like, this is a, this is a bunch of crap. I'm out of here. But if a dentist le- leans over you before he's about to do stuff and he's like, hey, man, I just want you to know I'm the best bloody dentist in the whole world. I'm the best bloody dentist and you're going to have the best bloody set of teeth at the end of this thing. You're like, great. Like, thank you. Like, praise God for you, brother. Like, I, this is what I wanted. I wanted confidence. And so the same thing for us. What are the three things that I am bloody good at? What are the three things that I'm like, yeah, this I'm good at, this I'm good at, you know, and you can write more than that. You can write, you can write a great old list if you want. That's great. But what are the things that you love doing that you're good at, that people tell you you're good at? Write those things down. And then pump 10 million bucks at those three things. How would you give them how would you give those that talent, that skill with unlimited resource? What would you do with it to feel absolute belonging and meaning of contributing that gift to other people? You know, because so many people, here's a, here's a big problem. You're giving your gift for money in kind of like a slave wage, kind of like a slave desperation. You're like, well, I'm really good at fixing this. And it's like, well, I just got to do it for money. You just got to do it for money. And we're in such a slave economy that we get sick of people because you're, you're a paid servant, right? Because everyone's like, oh, serve with your gift, serve people. And it's like, dude, people do nothing but treat me like trash and disrespect my gift and pay me, you know, however much I get paid for my, my gift. And so the first thing that people do when they come into money is they're like, I'm never working again. I'm never serving any dick, douche, bastard ever again. And so they bug out, you know, they, they, they go to the beach for three months or they go, you know, and they're like, I'm done giving my gift 
to serve people because people weren't very good to me. And then what happens is you, you get into this like thing of like a bit of nihilism because you're, you're burying your talent, you're burying your gift, right? You're not giving. And that's why so many rich people start all these foundations and they start all these like charitable things because they, they're like, okay, I want to start serving people again. I want to start serving people again, but not from a place of being a slave, from a place of being a king. So that's a really good thing for us. It's like, take away the trauma of having given your gift in a slave way to now, how would I give my gift in a king way? And, and kind of like just developing a vision around that because work is from the Lord and we work as unto the Lord. You know, so a lot of guys are like, oh man, if I had 10 more bucks, you know, I'd put that in, I'd call my mate up and ask him to invest it for me. And I would just live off the dividends on a beach in Florida. I was like, that's great. That feels nice. But, uh, but very soon you're going to, you're going to, you're going to be going crazy because we were made to work. We were made to crush. We were made to give our gift as unto the Lord and to serve people. We just want to do it as a king. And then how do you know if you're chasing the wrong vision? Here's, here's one of the biggest things. You know, my, I feel like my life has been nothing but chasing random visions and, and things. I think the Lord in his goodness, just start stepping, just start chasing, you know, and in his goodness, things won't work out or things will redirect or, you know, a layer. I read a book, uh, something about, something about the masculine energies. Um, I'm trying to think what it was called. Oh, way of the superior man. Pretty good book. And he was saying how purpose in a man is like an onion where we do something and we think this is it. This is the purpose. This is the thing I was made for. And we do it for a while. And we, we, we give that gift and that layer is fulfilled. And we're like, okay, I'm, I'm moving on to something else now, or we're moving deeper now to the next layer, next layer of purpose or next redirection of purpose. And it's a concentric deepening of purpose as a man's life unfolds. You know, we thought that this was the thing, but it was just a theme of the thing, you know? So, so how do we know we're chasing the wrong vision? Are we looking for approval? Are we looking for permission? Are we looking for accreditation? If that's the case, it just check that it's not fear. Go and start giving it without the approval. Go and start giving it without the permission. Go start giving it without the accreditation and see if it's like, yes, yeah, this is it. This is what I want to do. And, you know, oh, maybe not working. It might be 10 years in the desert. But if you're 10 years in the desert, it's like, just keep stepping, right? Keep coming back to that thing of like, all right, Lord, this is the thing I'm good at. Because I think so many of us can't withstand, you know, for guys who do have big visions and, and things that they're not getting. We can't withstand the desert season. And so we just stop giving the gift. We can't withstand the prison season. And so we just stop giving the gift. You know, so our gift got us into the prison. You know, ironically, Joseph's gift got him into the prison. Joseph's, uh, David's gift, ironically, got him into the desert. And so many of us, we just like, oh man, I'm in the desert now. Okay, I stop. I give up. Or I'm in the prison now. Okay, I'll stop. I give up. But Joseph's like, hey man, I can, I can run this prison for you. David, all right, got my band in the desert. Let's run a kingdom in the desert. And so I think for, for the biggest thing for us is the only wrong vision is to not give your gift and to not go hard as unto the Lord. So, so to not give a gift or to not give, give it hard unto the Lord. So praise God, brothers. God bless you guys. I appreciate you all in the, in the chat. And we'll see you tomorrow. And um, 
May the Lord bless you.